0: As I mentioned earlier, my name's Matt, I am Assistant Pastor here at Cornerstone. I also have the privilege of being uh, the Director of Worship Ministries here, which is a fancy title that means I just run the crew and the tech and uh, all of that kind of stuff on a, on a Sunday morning and during the week as well. Uh, and it's my privilege uh, today to start a new series. We're going to start a new series on worship. Woo! Who's excited about this? I'm excited about this. Um this is, this is a series that's going to run over the next probably three weeks, so Neil's just going to sit down the front and relax. He is going to Catherine in a couple of weeks, I'll give him that, he's going to Catherine to preach, so we're going to pray for him next week and send him out to do that, uh, which is an absolute blessing for them. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're doing this series on worship and I love worship. Worship is, is who I am. My mum my and my dad were both heavily inv- involved in worship teams in, in the, the corporate sense. Um, my grandpa was a choir master and so it's in my blood. I love musical worship and so there's this focus over the next few weeks on, on worship and I really want us to grab hold of this, to come and just hear what God has for us. Because all of us, here this morning, I'm sure all of us have preconceived ideas about worship, yeah? Whether we have personal relationship with God or whether we are here for the first time and we are only just hearing about God, if I say the word worship, there are things that pop into your head, correct? Yes. And so part of what this series is about and what I've been challenged by is that this this is an opportunity for us to, to break down those perceptions that might be wrong, to take the opportunity to reset, to refresh and to be renewed in our attitude towards what true worship is. Can I invite you to stand, please? And I want to pray as we start this series. Lord Jesus, I just want to commit this series on worship to you. Lord God, that that this would be your words that are spoken. Lord God, that we would have hearts that are ready to receive what it is that you have for us. That you would reveal who you are afresh. That this would be a revelation of your spirit. Again, that those perspectives that we might have would be reset and and refreshed and we have this fresh perspective and even possibly a fresh understanding for the first time of what worship is. And so we just commit these next few weeks to you. I pray that, that we would engage in this. That we would allow you to speak deep into our hearts. That we'd be impacted mightily by the incredible work that you have done. Amen, amen. Why don't you grab a seat again? Okay, so we're starting, we're starting this series on worship. And so what better, what better place to start than with some definitions of worship? And is my clicker going to work? Yes, what is worship? What is Worship, Because, as I said before, there are all these preconceived ideas, aren't there? I say the word worship and automatically you go to a whole heap of things and that may be completely different to what someone else is thinking at the same time, right? So, I did a bit of a Google. And so the Oxford Dictionary says this, it says, and I'm not sure, I'm hoping you can read that, but it says, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity... An example, worship of the Mother Goddess. Okay, not sure about that one. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says it's to honour or show reverence. For as a, is that a divine? It says divine, it's in the, it's in the little thing, yeah, yes. Yeah, For a, as a divine being or supernatural power. Okay. The Cambridge Dictionary says to love, respect and admire someone or something, very much, often without noticing the bad qualities of that person or thing. And then of course, you've got to have Wikipedia, hey? (laughs) Worship is showing regard with great respect, honour or devotion. This may be encountered in religious settings, in such instances it may represent divine worship reverence for a divine being or supernatural power, this activity may have other focuses, such as hero worship. Okay, so there's some, there's some worldly definitions of what worship is. But in my mind, that doesn't cut it, hey. It's, you know, there's, there's glimpses of possibly what we might think worship is, but... You know, as, as followers of Christ, as, as those who believe in the amazing Creator that we worship, we don't rely on dictionaries, we don't rely on web searches, but we rely on the Bible. We rely on God's Word. You know, God's Word is not just some interesting story that we we flick through from time to time, but it's the breathed Word of God, isn't it? It's His Holy Spirit, as being mentioned. It's His breathed Word of God. And if you just just stop and think about that for a moment, that in itself is just incredible. We have this incredible resource of, of God's Word breathed that we can open and what happens when God breathes? Life. And so, obviously, to truly understand God's intention for worship, we need to go to the Bible and so that's what we're going to do and, and in order to really understand what is worship, true worship as it's intended to be, we need to go to the very beginning, we need to go to Genesis. We need to go to the creation story, when, when everything was good. In fact, when any, everything was very good, and that's coming out of God's lips. And so I'm sure we're, we're probably familiar with the creation story. God comes and hovers over the earth with the Holy Spirit. And He creates the land, and He, and he produces the moon, and the sun, and the stars, and day and night, and then He creates... Adam. And then in, in, I'm just going to give you a quick summary rather than read out the passage. So I encourage you to jump into your Bible during the week and to read that. So I'm, I'm, I'm summarising Genesis 2 and 3 at the moment. So we've skipped over chapter 1. Well, chapter 1 is the, the earth being created and I'm starting from chapter 2 which is when God, God creates Adam. And so He creates Adam and, and Adam and God are working together in the garden and God's bringing Adam all of the different animals and Adam is naming all of those animals and I'm sure there's conversation happening and all that kind of stuff and as they're going about that, God recognises that Adam is, is alone, that he, he can't continue to do this job without a companion and so then he puts Adam to sleep and he create, pulls a rib out of Adam's side and he creates woman, a helper, to stand alongside to work together and to work together with god and so god will continue to bring animals to adam and eve in the garden and then and then and then we know that they they would at the end of the day after they'd finished their hard work they'd walk together and they'd chat in the in the cool of the evening through this incredible garden and they'd do all of that side by side and they'd work together and they'd care for each other and, and that's exactly how God intended true, worshipful relationship to be with Him. It was them and it was God and they were together. And they were spending time together. It was intentional. They did everything together, they were working together, they were relaxing together, all the while building relationship with each other. Adam and Eve learning from God. And through that worship is this heartfelt response that comes from that. and then we jump into chapter 3 and that's when the fall happens and that's when things go a little bit wrong and worship actually it actually changes at that moment so that's why I want to jump in right from the very start before everything started to change and that's when Adam and Eve they go and they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil that God had told them not to eat and then sin sin enters the world And this this incredible, wonderful, worshipful relationship is suddenly broken, it's it's tarnished, it's not the same as what it was and and Adam and Eve are thrown out of the garden and this this intimate and close and personal relationship that they have with God is suddenly broken. It's, It's not completely gone, but it's certainly not the same as what it was before. It's different. And so if we if we were to base our definition what is worship based on how God created our world the true original before sin definition of worship it's this and drum roll please okay get ready it is a spirit led heartfelt response that is really hard to wrap into one sentence. I have tried, believe me. But as Adam and Eve dwelt in the garden with God, as they work together, as they walk together, as they talk together, these are some of the things that I pulled out that happen as part of that relationship. True worship is Intentional. There is this desire to come together. It is intimate. It is between, it was between Adam and Eve and God. For us, it's between us and God. It's devoted. It's setting aside time as we come together and worship. It's growing. It's learning. It is restoring. And by all means, this is not an exhaustive list. And I challenge you again to be thinking about what true God-honouring worship looks like as we go through this series. But this gives you a little bit of a picture about what I have been challenged with in this and what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Now, as we we delve into this really important series, it is vital for us to realise that we are created... To worship, we are made, we are designed, God in, intentionally designed us for worship and as I said right at the start, we all have these opinions and perspectives and ideas about what worship looks like, don't we? Yeah? And as I've already said, I really hope that this series is going to reset that. I know that I've been really challenged in this space. You know, this, this is an opportunity for us to, to offload our bags, to, to drop our bags, to get rid of the ideals and, and perhaps even glimpse for the very first time actually what God intends us to do in, through an, in and through worship, the way that He intended it right from the very beginning. And so I want to encourage us to let God speak to us over these next few weeks and it's my prayer that God would ignite in us a new passion for what worship is, in our worship of Him. our worship, the very response to the fact that we have this opportunity to be in relationship with Creator God and that that relationship would be genuine. And so if we, if we continue on through the creation story, okay, so Adam and Eve have been created, they've eaten the fruit, sin has come into the world, God has kicked them out. That truest form of worship has suddenly been broken. We find this story of Cain and Abel, who are Adam and Eve's sons. You know, because of sin, because of brokenness in their relationship, their response to God is impacted and we can read about that in Genesis 4, 2 and 6 and I've got it up there on the screen. And it says this, it says, "'When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground.' And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of first lamb from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? you'll be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out because sin is crouching at the door and it is eager, eager to control you. And so what, what can we take from this passage? You know, so it's, it's after the fall, it's after sin has entered the world. First thing I want to point out is it's God asking the questions. God was there... He was intimately there with them, asking Cain the question, speaking to Cain. It wasn't like sin entered the world and God just completely abandoned them and left them alone. And from all, all the looking into this that I could find, this sacrifice, this bringing of this offering, wasn't, wasn't something that God had mandated. This was, this was out of their own response. This is like, the best way I can describe it and, and what, I, what is on my heart is that this is like kids coming to show their parents the thing that they've done, eager and excited to share the things that they had produced. You know, perhaps it was even this, this act of desperation to try and restore relationship with their Creator God, to get back to the way it was because they they wouldn't have experienced the incredible intimacy and the closeness and the intentionality and the fullness of relationship that Adam and Eve had experienced with God before sin entered the world, before they were kicked out of the garden. But I can guarantee that they'd heard about it. There There is no doubt in my mind that Adam and Eve would not have forgotten those early days in the garden. They would have longed for those early days in the garden. They would have spoken about it. They would have constantly spoken about it with their kids. And so I suspect that this this is an attempt by Cain and Abel to, to, to do something that brings them even that little bit closer to what they'd heard about. But there's a difference there, isn't there? I just want to point out the difference too. Because because Abel was eager to bring his very best. It talks about bringing his best portions of firstborn lambs. Whereas Cain, on the other hand, presented just some of his crops. And I was thinking about that and there's there's a whole heap of commentary and things that go into the background of this. But it almost, to me, feels like Cain Cain is the older brother. So Cain was born first, he's older than Abel... And it feels to me that some element of this is Cain just going through the motions. It's sort of become a bit traditional, it's become a bit of a ritual and so his heart's not in it. It's like, oh yeah, I'll just, I'll just grab some of this grain, it doesn't matter that it's not my very best. I mean, he's, he's still going through the process but it's not that true and heartfelt offering to God. and so remembering that they're in this place where where sin was in the world and it was preventing them from truly worshiping and and truly having that relationship with God and so just like Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel we too are created for worship you know there's this there's this built-in nature for us that we have to we have to worship something It's every single person that walks the face of the earth has this inbuilt nature that there must be something that I'm going to worship, there's something that I'm going to invest in, even those who don't believe in God. And you'll remember if we go back to the Wikipedia uh, definition, it talked about hero worship. That's filling the void of a space that God should fill. You know, the best examples I can think of this is stuff like sporting events and concerts and where there's the crowd and there's the noise and, you know, you've probably actually experienced yourself at some point and there's, there's adoration and, and there is worship of these sports heroes and music stars and, and movie stars and then there's some that are more passionate than others. You know, there's those that are going full noise, they're going body paint, they're, you know, holding signs and they're woo, you know, you know the ones, those, Swift, those Swifties. Swifties, I'm getting distracted, and then, and then there's those that are in the moment and they are just locked in, they are watching everything, you know, if, you, if you're talking about sport, they are watching the ball, they're watching the movement, they're just soaking in every moment they possibly can, and then there are those who have their phone out and they're capturing every moment on their phone so they can... I don't understand that because they're there and they're missing the moment so that they can share it with other people later on and then watch it back on a little, there is actually, I'm distracted, there's an awesome photo, I love basketball, I'm a basketball fan, Um, when LeBron James broke the scoring record, yeah? So he's he's scored the most, LeBron James, come on, everyone knows LeBron James, scored the most points in NBA history. And so there's this moment where he breaks the record, he hits the shot and there's this photo of him and he's doing the shot and this entire crowd, every person is there with their phone, (laughs) except for one dude sitting right courtside down the front and he is just locked in, locked in. Is that us when we come into the presence of God? We are created to worship and we are created to worship Him. And is it it God that captures our attention or is it something else? And so there's this question that I want us to be considering over the next few weeks of of what is it that I worship? Who captures my attention? Who am I worshipping? And so we've we've come some of the way to defining what worship is and you know, we, we know that all now, that all humanity is to, is to worship something, okay? But it is also important for us to realise that in this true God-worship, there are many forms of worship. And it's, re- it's really easy to, to fall into this, into this space where we think, worship looks like this. And we put it in a little box and then we get it out when we want to. You know, and perhaps when when we, we, we go to worship, if things don't go exactly the way that we think that worship should go, we get offended, and that's not the way that it should be, and perhaps we even get a little bit angry like Cain did of Abel. And hopefully we don't get to the point where we do what Cain did to Abel because he didn't grab hold of those thoughts and God even warned him, grab hold of your thoughts in the same way that Jesus challenges us to grab hold of those thoughts of greed. It's something that we need to be guarding against. But the entire Bible is filled with testimony upon testimony upon testimony of what worship is. And so what I've done is, I was going to just read some, but there are too many. Did you know the whole Bible is effectively worship? It is a story of worship. And so I've listed some here. And so you've got homework, crew. Okay? I want to challenge you to go through and read these different stories. So There's Cain and Abel, we've already sort of read that one this morning, but I want, to, I want you to encourage you to, to read that in, in more fullness. And that's about restorative relationship, I've already talked about that. That's how they're, they're in this place of trying to come to God and to, to get back something like what their mum and dad had told them about. And then there's the story of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 22, and that's where uh, Abraham... Is told by God to go and sacrifice his son Isaac on the mountain and so that is, that is a story of, of worship in and through obedience. There's Moses, Moses has got lots, there's lots going on there but there's one particular one that I pulled out in Exodus 33 which is him going up onto the mountain and seeking the more of God. He, he had this intimate relationship with God but he wanted to know more, he wanted to see God there is Joshua in Joshua 4, that, that sort of worship is intimate worship, it's, it's, it's worship of reverence and honour as, as the, the Israelites cross the Jordan River and they're crossing the Jordan River and God stopped the flow of the river and, and Joshua goes and he builds, builds an altar in the middle of the river and then the waters come back and it's, it was this moment between Joshua and God. And then another one, David, King David in 2 Samuel 6 is about unashamed and freedom in worship as he celebrates the returning of the Ark of the Covenant, this holy box into the city of Jerusalem. And, and so, as I said, the, li- the list goes on and on and on, the point being that worship takes many forms and there's this real danger for us that we say, worship is this and then we get stuck. And so it's important that we don't don't constrain, we don't restrict how we respond in our own worship to our incredible Heavenly Father, because we have this incredible opportunity available to us, in that Jesus has restored worship. Because of the cross... Because of his perfect sacrifice, no longer is sin that barricade that it once was, that Cain and Abel experienced, that, that Adam and Eve experienced once they sinned, that all of the stories through the Old Testament experience that I just listed, but they were still able to worship. Because no longer sin is that barrier for us, no longer is sin holding us back and so we have this incredible opportunity to truly worship God the way that He intended us to, just like He did in the very beginning in the garden. Is that not an incredible privilege? Do you realise the privilege we have to worship our Heavenly Father? Because of Jesus, not because of anything that we have done, but because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice on the cross, the blood poured out that washes our sin away, that takes that barricade away, we can be in this place of worship and in worship how God intends us to and how he created us to. It's this incredible opportunity just to find forgiveness and redemption in and through the work of Jesus and the cross. You know, and in in accepting that incredible gift of Jesus on the cross, we can enter into that place that is true and is holy and is intimate. What an incredible privilege we have. And I don't want us to miss it. But with that comes responsibility that is on us. And Jesus spoke about this he, when He was here on earth and he, and he meets with the Samaritan woman in the world, at the well. And He has this whole conversation, I want to encourage you to read through that as well and that's found in John 4. And I'm going to read a little bit of it in a minute but I want you to read through John 4, the story of the, the woman at the well because she's a Samaritan and, and, and he's a Jew and they don't mix and there's all of this historical baggage that goes with it and I could go into it but I'm not going to because I think I'm running out of time. Get in there and read it. But part of that conversation that she has with him is about the right way to worship because that was a, that was a thing of contention between the Samaritans and the Jews And this is how Jesus responds to her when she says, what is the right way to worship? He says, the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah, you know, Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection conquered sin. It conquered our death. And through him, he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so, again, incredibly for us, we have this forgiveness, we have this redemption, we have this gift of eternal life, and we have his Spirit in us, which enables us to be in this place of truly worshipping in spirit and in truth, with God in us, side by side, in communion, working, talking, resting. Opportunity to honour Him, to be in relationship with Him, to be in worship of Him, acknowledging who He is every single minute of every single day. To stop in the midst of whatever and recognise who God is. You know, for me... I have had a week, let me tell you, with my other... I'm going to take this hat off, and I'm going to put my other hat on, I'm the IT manager for NT Christian Schools. So I look after, yes, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure this week, I'm not sure to be honest. Seven schools spread across the NT, 300-something staff, 1,400-something students and I look after everything that plugs in and turns on. I have other people that help me and I am blessed by them abundantly but this week i knew that we had our worship series coming up and i've been planning that with neil for since last year and it's been in my head and it's just saturday morning last week my backup systems for our whole corporate network decided that it's got I won't go into the technical details, but I'm going to use some technical terms, so just nod and smile, all right? So the NAS, the storage, got 12 disks in it, configured in RAID 5, it's got full redundancy, you can lose multiple disks and still have your data, unless you lose three. Guess how many disks failed on Saturday morning at 5 a.m. Yes, three, all went at the same time. One came back and it said it was okay. The other one, eh, not so much. The other one just completely disappeared. I had a little bit of a moment when I realised and I, I didn't realise until about 10 o'clock in the morning when all of my backups started failing and I was getting all of these alerts and messages. Anyway... Jump in the car, into town, grab some dodgy drive to try and rectify it, because it was the only one in Darwin. I found a disk in Darwin, that was terrible. Go back to work, put it in, nothing happens, everything's gone. So, dealing with that. Monday comes, five to five. I have four servers in my server environment that run our corporate network. Five to five, one of those servers decides, I'm going to turn myself off and I'm not going to turn back on. Good week, good week, good week. I can tell you that those server, the server is still down, I'm still waiting for parts, we've got four-hour part turnaround, parts have been lost, they weren't sent, blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, everyone else at work, they it's fine, everything's running perfectly. It's good, but it, yeah. But there were moments this week where I just had to stop and declare who God was. It wasn't about, God, I need you to fix this for me. I need you to take away all these problems, I need you to fix this, I need you to, I need to work out what I'm doing. It was just, God, you are sovereign. You are above all. Nothing is impossible for you and I am yours. Full stop. Opportunities to worship and declare who God is in the midst of whatever it is and I'm sure we've all got stuff going on but this worship is not just something that happens here on a Sunday morning. And again, we we have this this incredible opportunity to come and to and to worship and to be in relationship with God the same way that he intended right from the very beginning in the garden. At the beginning of creation, because of the gift of his spirit. And so we have this this responsibility to come and to worship in spirit and in truth. But then there's also another responsibility which we find in Hebrews 10, which is let us not look at neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Our gathering together is so important. One thing I left out of that story that I was telling you about is Monday night was my men's group, it was our first meeting for the year and we went to District North Kitchen, shout out to District North Kitchen, if you haven't been there, burgers are awesome. So, I'm sitting at work, sending the guys message. sorry guys, look, I'm really not going to make it, my servers are dead, my backup drives have failed, I've got no data. And I got all of these messages back, oh, Matt, we're praying for you. Oh, Matt, we can deliver. And I'm like, no, I'm feeling like throwing up. But I got to this point where I'm like, nah, I am, I'm done. And I jumped in the car and I raced to District North and I sat down and I felt like I was going to throw up. And I'm sitting there on my little iPad being really rude to the guys and I'm sending emails and I'm checking status of jobs and nothing's going right. And my mate just sighs there and he's got this massive pile of, I don't know what it was, but it was yummy. <laughs> that is worship. Not the food, but the, but the coming together. Like I came, my world was just chaos and then I, I went from that and I went home and I did more stuff until one o'clock in the morning and I was wrecked and it didn't change anything from the worldly perspective. But I went and I was renewed and I was refreshed because I came together with other people who could pull me out of that and say, hey, what's important? What's important? And so, our gathering together is so important. And I want us to be challenged in our mindset of what worship is. I want us to be challenged in our mindset of what we do. And I heard it as I was preparing this this message through the week. I heard heard it. How are we going for time? We're good. Hang on. I heard it said, a statement, and I, I love it. And I'm going to use it. It says that we don't go to church, we, each of us, that is each of us gathered here, we are the church, we come to worship, yeah? I like it. So, next Sunday, we're going to come to worship, yeah? We are the church, we come to worship. What a great mind shift, what a great perspective challenge. We, we are the church wherever we go. But when we gather, we gather to worship. So let us not neglect gathering together. You know, because if, if what, what happens, if we, don't, if we don't make gathering together a priority, what happens? We, we ra- rapidly get thrown into all of this stuff, like my week. I rapidly got thrown into all of these things that are going on. I forgot to mention, did you know that school went back this week? <laughs> so in the midst of my chaos... 1,300 kids, 300 staff, every one of them with a device. I can't remember my password. The network isn't working. I'm not... I I know there's people that work here, here, and I love you guys, and I love to serve you, and it's... I love it. It's so good. It is so good. But in the... You know what I mean? Like, in the midst of that, if if I wasn't... If I didn't have my men's group, if I didn't have that connection, if I wasn't actively seeking and, and engaging with God, then I would have been rapidly thrown off course. My, my own opinions and my own feelings and things going wrong and, and then things don't go as I plan and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, let's commit to gathering together. Amen? Let's ensure we come to worship our Heavenly Father. You know, corporate worship is really important Music. I talked about it before, I'm a Director of Worship Ministries. I've got worship in my title. I love music. And when I was, when I was thinking about this, this whole thing, I'm like, yes, this is an opportunity to really encourage people to come to church and sing and to, you know, get into it and we'll do some really cool songs and, who, was I a little bit tested this week in my attitude. Because that is not what worship is all about, it is, it is part of worship, it's a really important part of worship but it's not the only thing that worship is. And music does play this incredibly important part for us in our corporate worship, when we gather together, when two or three are gathered together, music, musical worship is so vital because what that does is it enables us to be in a space where we are united We are able to see the words on the screen or know the song and we're able to sing, whether we can sing or not, and speak a united message to our Heavenly Father. It's for an audience of one. I don't care if you can't sing, let's raise the roof, hey? Yeah? Let's shout aloud, let's testify to the things that God has done in our lives. We come together, we testify, we share the things that God is doing to encourage each other so that I'm over here and the guys are over there going, hey, we're at District North, come over here. Hey, isn't it good? Remind each other, encourage each other about what's going on, stand firm in the promises of God against the enemy who comes to kill and destroy. I'm sure the enemy's been trying to have a field day this week because this message has been incredibly difficult to get out, let me tell you. But God has the victory. We need to claim that. Grab hold of that. Because Jesus has won. He is our Saviour. It is Him who makes the difference in all of this. This incredible opportunity for us to live a life of worship that is to honour and glorify our Heavenly Father with every breath that we have. Whatever it is that He calls us to do. Amen. Can I ask you to stand? And I just want to say... Before, before I wrap up, you, you may be here this morning and you may not have a personal relationship with this amazing God that I'm talking about. You know, have you, you've heard my message, you've, you've heard me talk about the fact that God created the world and He, he created each one of us to be in this space of relationship and, and of worship of Him. And that got broken up a little bit, but then Jesus came and, and he, he died on a cross, as Aidan talked about in the communion message, and His blood was poured out and it, and it removes this barrier that was sin. His blood has removed this barrier that is your sin. And in doing that, gives you an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Him, to receive His gift of love and forgiveness and eternal life and restoration. And so if that is you, if you don't have a personal relationship with God, I want to give you an opportunity to accept that invitation right now, to receive that gift of love and forgiveness. And all you have to do is pray and pray this prayer with me right now. So let's, let's all just pray and, and if that is you, pray along with me. Lord God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you he died for me. I thank you, Jesus, that you rose again and, and because of that, because of your blood, I am washed clean. And God, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you that I am forgiven. And I invite you into my life. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you into the family of God. I'd love you to come and tell me. I'd love you to tell the person you came with or someone else that's sitting around you. This is a really exciting step and is awesome. But before we go this morning, before we, we get on, we're going to sing again in a minute as we close our service. Before we do that, as we are standing here, as we are standing here as a church to worship... I want you to think over some things for me and I want you to continue to think over those things as you go out into this place and out into the world from this place. I want you to be thinking about who is it that I am worshipping. I want you to think about whether there's anything that is that is standing in your way from that true God honouring worship. And I want you to take that op- the opportunity that we have as we, as we close our service, just to lay those things down, to cast them down, to cast them aside, to hand them over to God, to let God take those things and restore you into a place where you can truly worship Him. And so as we sing, as we close, the front's going to be open for prayer as we do and I'd I'd love to invite you to come for prayer if there are things that you need prayer for you know there's our leadership team our eldership team prayer team would love to be able to pray with you but as you as you go in this week ask yourself that question who is it that I'm worshipping as you go about your week look for opportunities to worship to worship our incredible Father God to worship in spirit and in truth Amen. 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 Bless y'all.